0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this moment. This is the Transatlantic Bridge connecting Harlem, USA to Stockholm, Sweden. Myself, I'm in Stockholm right now. My name is Jason Diakite. And as always, I'm in conversation, much needed conversation, with my dear brother and co-host, Chef Marcus Samuelson. Marcus, tell me about what we're going to listen to today. Today on This Moment, I'm really excited to introduce you
1: Mr. Carlos Watson, he's such an inspirational guy, man. Always positive. And in a year coming off pivoting, right, that was probably the word of 2020. Carlos is someone that we can all learn from. He moved around and changed and pivoted way before that was the word. You know, from his starting days in Miami to Ivy League schools to the biggest stages of national TV. And for the last 10 years, he's been busy creating... Ozzy, this incredible network of voices that crosses around the world, reaches over 70 million people. So I want to know how Carlos, not only how he was doing and dealing with his time, but also what he thinks is next and how we can all learn from changing environments, changing the way we're working and dealing with our fears.
0: I really look forward to listening to it, Marcus.
1: The Come Up with Carlos Watson.
2: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
3: Today is a very, very, I'm very excited. I'm hyped, actually, because a dear friend of mine decided to join us today, Mr. Carlos Watson. Welcome to this moment, man.
4: Uh, good to be with you in a sense, although I wish I was uh, with you in Harlem and uh, and eating some of your good food and sitting close to you, but uh, but this will do for now.
3: Well, I'm actually even than that to you. I'm back in your neck of the wood. I'm at a restaurant in Miami, in Overtown, to be precise. Oh. So you know
4: a little bit about
3: Miami, right?
4: You, you know what? You guys are killing it there. I hear from all my friends who say that they just see the lines for your restaurant there and it's crazy as a kid who grew up in miami marcus and so appreciate uh what you and other people are doing in overtown and in the area to to um to develop it and bring us forward so uh yeah oh that's yes. good that's good good to hear
3: very very excited mm-hmm. so you, you have roots in miami you have roots in west coast but also in jamaica mm-hmm. so here's this super smart guy that goes to stanford and then one day, once he got the big job that he tells his Jamaican parents about. So I'm going to quit because I'm going to go into media. How did that conversation go about at home? But also, how did you land there?
4: Well, you know, it's funny. If I go back to Miami, not far from where you are, uh, the story started a little bit rockier than that. I kind of got kicked out of kindergarten, got asked to leave several other buildings uh, early on. And so it was funny, Marcus, when I was graduating from college, my mom wanted to throw a birthday party, I mean, a celebration party. And I said, no, I don't want it. And she said, it's not for you. It's for me. She said, <laughs> anyone who saw your first 10 years wouldn't have believed your last 10 years, except for a mother. So, uh, you know, so,
3: can we also just give a little hype? So, yeah. so he's being very modest. So Carlos graduated at uh, Harvard and then went for, to Stanford for law. So you know there is hope out there. If you get kicked out uh, early on, you can still go go through Harvard. <laughs> uh, you,
4: you know what? It's it's it. I, I'm so blessed that some of the teachers who came along later on, you know, really stood close to me. Mrs. Trencher, if she's listening, and Mrs. Labarou, Mrs. Palomo, and all those guys who who didn't give up on me, and my mom uh, uh, and dad who didn't. But but you know, it, it, given all the work that they put into that. And put into me, Marcus, it it was hard for them the first time, uh, because my first job after graduate school, you know, most of the time I was growing up, my parents, if they did have jobs, often had, you know, two or three jobs. Um, They were working late nights. I was the family cook because they usually weren't uh, at home. So when I finally got a good job after graduate school, they were excited, not just because they were proud, but it was a moment for everyone to breathe deeply. And this may sound silly to some people listening, but, you know, the offer letter I had from the big firm, they made me pass it all around so everybody could touch it because it, it was, while it wasn't in the scheme of things, a lot of money in our little world, it was more money than my mom and dad had ever made together in a year. And so for them, when I decided to leave that behind to try something entrepreneurial, it was scary. It was scary for my dad uh, my mom was a grand a daughter of a Baptist minister, so a woman of faith. And so she, you know, I think for her, she went somewhere else in her mind with it. But I think in retrospect, it was scary for them.
3: We talk about these words of pivoting, right? So you not only have managed to work both on the East Coast and the West Coast, which is vastly different cultures, mm-hmm. but also, figuring out how to navigate through law, tech, and media, which are all, you know, if you would land one of your jobs, a lot of people, again, coming from immigrant background, you would be a lifer. To be, get a job on CNN as a commentator. your parents would say, keep that job, you don't leave that. Or to, be, to graduate Stanford Law, you take that off letter and you, you would have been a partner or had your own law firm at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So what is it in you that has that natural capability of pivoting, Carlos? What is that?
4: Yeah. You know, it probably came from a couple of places, Marcus, and some some of this you and I have in common. I mean, you and I both, you in a very different and more profound way than me, but, you know, we both had an uneven start to life early on. So early on, we, were, we learned that we weren't exactly on exactly the same path as everyone else. So when you're I mean, this may sound crazy, but when you're five years old and get kicked out of school at six and seven, and you can tell teachers don't want you, like you already don't feel like you're on the path that all the other kids are on. So already your mind is in a space that whatever the norm is for everyone else, I may or may not. That may or may not end up being my path. So that probably was a little piece of it. I think another piece of it uh, was, you know, uh, growing up as a kid, my mind started to shift in Miami. We love sports and football. I dreamed of being a football player. The U was coming of age of then. I knew what I was going to do. And then I got into a really bad car accident and and I almost died. And um, the doctors told me that I would never walk again. And, and so if you go from a kid who literally, my mindset, you know, was how am I going to play you know, pro football, where am I going to go, blah, 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 to, you know, the doctor saying, you know, well, you know, you may not walk again. Like that also was disorienting. And so again, you have to consider alternatives. Right. And so I'm lucky to be walking today, but Marcus, anyone who went to junior high school with me would refer to me as, uh, they wouldn't call me Carlos Watson. They would say that boy on crutches, Carlos Watson, because that's how I was known. I was that boy on crutches, Carlos Watson. And when people saw me walking in the ninth grade, the first day of school, it was almost like we've never seen dude walk before. So, so it was, a, so I'd say some of those formative experiences and then what added a little seasoning onto it was um, there was a wonderful TV commentator named Tony Brown. And he used to do something called Tony Brown's journal. And I don't know if anyone listening remembers it, but it was wonderful syndicated show, usually on ABC stations, and he was a brother who, had, who, had, who basically was encouraging entrepreneurialism before that was a phrase. And, and he came and spoke at Harvard, and he said, what is it about um, what happens at Harvard that when so many of the white kids leave here, they want to go start a company or own a company, and when so many of the black kids leave here, they just want to get a job. And he rocked me. When he said that, Marcus, because he was right, because I was, I was, you know, I, 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 I was like a lot of people. That's where I was, and so he. While I didn't immediately do something entrepreneurial, then it laid the groundwork. It was not a foreign idea, and the idea of pivoting. Originally, I went into business after school. I worked at McKinsey and Goldman, and I went into media, as you're saying. I went into I worked at um, uh, MSNBC and CNBC and CNN, and then later went off to start my own thing, which kind of combined business and media, media startup. But but I would say my willingness to take a chance to try to learn and, and to mess up a lot probably had some of its grounding in kind of some of those early things that didn't quite work out right and made me know that, hey, you got to consider not just the obvious, but you got to consider maybe something that... I I would throw a little
3: bit of jerk sauce in there too, because I actually also think it has a lot to do with your Jamaican background as well, because there is a drive and a force where people are... There's a level of curiosity and drive that comes with that, with your dad or mom having two jobs, that I'm going to get the job I want, and I'm also going to work it like I have two or three jobs. Because this is going to work. And, you know, I've had so many great, we've done so many fun things together. But one of the proudest moments which you put together was this one night, I want to say five years ago, six years ago at Red Rooster, Mm -hmm. when we all got to meet. I met Mr. Joe, President Joe Biden before at the White House. Uh, But at that night, I got up on the mic and said, hey, Mr. Vice President. Maybe you should run. And he did. That was pre-Hillary and pre-16. And he was laughing. He didn't want to say the answer. And, you know, it took six years, but we were right, Carlos. How about We were.
4: were. Hey, that was that was a great dinner and that was a great coming together. And it was, um, you know, the other thing about that, Marcus, was you're right. Being around my mom and my dad and other people and their hustle and their creativity and their desire for better not just for themselves but for everybody around We, we always were very much a collective um but but even being around you in that moment and as you recall you know we were still a young organization this was the first time we were doing something and you know you opening up Red Rooster and then turning it up and turning it out and it's funny I knew it at the time but I know it even more now having been an entrepreneur longer I know how much extra you put into that. And I know you did a whole suite of things to make sure that it was even better than whatever we contracted for and whatever we thought we were going to get. And so I also think that part of what has helped me along is all these other good helping hands from different people, whether I'm just looking from afar and admiring or whether In some cases, like with you, I'm getting to see how other people put together something that looks simple, but is actually kind of complex to make it go well day in and day out.
2: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
1: Right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on Us. Mintmobile.com switch.
2: Upfront payment of forty-five dollars equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over forty gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24. Get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
3: where are
4: we with Aussie in three or five years from now? Yeah, yeah, so I, you know, Aussie's a media company that originally started as an online magazine and now has become so much more. Uh, we produce original TV shows for Hulu and Amazon, and BBC. We've got half a dozen podcasts in the top 100, like The Thread and Flashback and Aussie Confidential. And we have this amazing summer festival, music and ideas festival called Aussie Fest, uh, that, you know, tens of thousands of people in healthier times come from dozens of countries uh, for. And so Aussie has gone from being a digital media company to a broader four-part media company, you know, reaching 75 million people every month, um, uh, lots of curious people all over the globe um, who count on us. I think more than anything, not to bring them the quote-unquote news, because I think um, while that has value, I think what's maybe even more valuable is what's next, right? So we always say that Ozzy's about the new and the next, and that we want to be a place that, that even if you don't realize that's what's happening, we're opening you up to possibility that, that we're introducing you to a young poet before she's reading poetry at the inauguration. We're telling you about a bartender in Union Square before she's the youngest female in Congress. AOC. We're telling you about a kid from South Africa before he's hosting the Daily Show. You know, we want to tell you about a publicist who could become a filmmaker, Ava DuVernay. That 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 that. Ozzy's always been about introducing you. We like to say to the people, places, and things that are ahead of their time and worthy of yours, right? And that's always that's always we've thought kind of the best of this world and. You know, a lot of media companies, that's not who they're going to profile. They're going to profile the same over and over.
3: No, you're very thirsty and curious. I think the community, when you go to the, uh, when you experience the Austin Fest, it's always a great look back of, you know, sort of established thinkers. I would say they're like 15, 20%. Then there is a good 35 to 55% that are, Super bright, maybe not as, as established, but those are really the guys that I, you know, I look at and I listen to. And then there's some, uh, you know, up and coming that would maybe like had the latest hit song or the latest best speech that, you know, uh, are interesting because they're in the culture. But there's a deep level of curiosity. And my mornings are very often I start with the daily. Then I read the author newsletter because it gives me great context anywhere I am in the world, right? Give me context. And then in the afternoon, maybe uh, if I'm working out, I get today's today's explain or something like that, right? Because that gives me context to be able to navigate through because very often at night, I mean, they're at the restaurant who have to do com- do commentary on some type of media platform. And I want that, you know, sticky content but I need context, too. So how did you build it? And, and, and uh, yeah,
1: so I you say think the you know, there have
4: been a couple those. of pieces to it. I think one of the ways in which we built it was in a very kind of handcrafted way. I was with another family who owns a restaurant, a, uh, a Mexican restaurant, Oaxacan restaurant in the Bronx. And they told me that um, if anyone's fighting or mad at each other, you're not allowed to be in the kitchen because they said this food has to be prepared with love. And I always think about that. And the same is true of Ozzy, that we were formed at this table where I'm sitting, which was my mom's house. And with her watching over and her loving Ozzy and her building the furniture, you know, she and dad were there and, you know, she helped hire the first interns. And, you know, she made some of our first marketing materials and, and, and everyone from my business partner, Samir, to um, our colleagues. And so I, I would say... I don't want to be trite and say it's a family, but there definitely was really rich family energy. There was always a very global perspective to it. You know, my mom was a small town girl who ended up traveling around the world, living in Europe, living in Africa, traveling to South America, and working with international students all over the world. So she brought a very global mindset, as does and did my dad. And um, and so I, I, I want to believe that that has been the culture, which is smart, flavorful, global, open, experimental, like, you know, we're definitely in I call it that Robert Kennedy camp, you know, why not? We're why not people? Like why not try a festival? Why not move into TV shows and podcasts? Why not hire people not just in the US but around the globe? Why not skip quantity and focus on quality? So so that, I hope is our, I hope, it, I hope it's a forward contributing culture.
3: A lot of our audience know also about the black diaspora, very often living in Scandinavia or in Europe. And um, what are, you know, do you think the biggest things right now in terms of you think about when the previous administration were running it, it was almost easier for the media company to keep the fire on the White House, or help, you know, have the questions right now with President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. How do we hold? How do we deal with accountability? And how do we do the same level of digging? Because I can tell you, during the last year of President Obama's time. You know, it was harder in many ways. And people would say like, well, racism in America is solved because you have a black president, which nothing could be further from the truth, right? Because that's also the time when we had so many different things happening. But how do you as a media company, how do you keep asking the hard questions when you have a deeper relationship with the current administration? Yeah, uh,
4: um, you know, I, I, one of the things that, I think we were reminded of um, um, in the last four years is that you know we both made a lot of progress with the election of President Obama, and that's a big thing that every, not only American but every person in the world should be proud of. That 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 was truly a larger triumph, and and yet it's possible, you know, that uh, one of the old quotes used to be, "I've got enough stuff in me to make both a gentleman and a rogue," right? And so. It's possible that there was enough stuff in us as a country to do something valuable and important and magical like that, and to still have Ferguson in us, right? And it's possible that we could still have both of us in us. You, you know, I think that there's a larger need to refresh the country. I think we've had a, a a our first 250 years. A lot of good things have happened in America. A lot of not great things have happened. And I think that we could end up getting into a battle and spend all of our time looking at small things. Or what I'm really hope it happens, Marcus, over the next four years, decade, is that we have a bigger conversation, which is what should the next 250 years look like? What if we were going to reset America? If we if if there was a new founding convention in Philly, and in addition to Washington, Jefferson, Hamilton, you had Samuelson and Lakshmi and Gladwell and Coates and and Laren and other people, like, where would we end up and what would be true? And and that's my hope about what happens over the next four years. Because otherwise, we'll just have small battles about, should this tax rate be this or this? Should this stimulus check be this or this? When there are larger questions about what do each of our kids deserve? And, you know, what does health care, what does being healthy mean? Right? Does it just mean physical health? Does it mean mental health? Does it mean happiness? Like, and I think that that Marcus, if we somehow turn the corner into an innovation place, um, that could be electric.
3: No, I, lo- I love I love that. And I, for me, what's so amazing is that how narrow racism is. Right? It's so narrow in its in its in its in its view, and the fact that. People like you, are not if if you and I were to set up an electric, if we were to set up a shop, we know that the latest iPhone had to be there, and the boombox would just be, and the and the V, you know the video from the '80s would not be able to sell in the same way, right? But here we are in terms of racism, we can peddle ideas that are so unmodern, unconventional, and has been hurtful for. Hundreds and hundreds of years, right? But that yet that is still an idea, you know. If 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 neurologists will look at it, we, they will look at the brain, regardless of race, right? And in any other idea ideation, you think about let let figure out how to get the best idea work for the most people, and that's how we're going to build stuff. But yet in this one thing, we're allowed to be narrow. You can still pedal. Bad ideas. And for me, it's shocking, right? Because as technology gets better, as cars get better, as everything else improved, we still haven't made major improvement on this idea. Why is that? Why? And it's not, I would like to say it's just an American thing. It's not. Racism is older than America and it's everywhere. So why is that, do you think? What is that
1: fear?
4: You know, I want to say part of it. Uh, uh, it is what we believe, which is that, again, within many of us, there's both good stuff and and not great stuff. And so sometimes, uh, you know, the best of us doesn't come out. But but, but I also, I really believe uh, in the need and the opportunity for leadership. And one thing a, a former Republican presidential campaign manager, Alex Castellano, said to me the other day, I was asking him who he thought would be the 2024 nominee. And at first he said Nikki Haley, And then I said, who else? And he said, Tucker Carlson. And I was like, no way. And he said, Carlos, you got to understand that the model's been broken. It's broken. It's gone. There are new rules, new things are happening. And the positive spin on that is then that means that new leaders could play different roles than they probably could have played 10 years ago. And so whether you're an entrepreneur, um, uh, whether you're an author, uh, whether you're a nurse, Uh, uh, whether you're a teacher, uh, whether you're a stay at home grandparent, that that more people can enter the arena and be a part of saying what you're saying, which is that racism is crazy. It's illegal. We're not going to allow it. And we're going to do something different. And so in my mind, that's what your girl Stacey Abrams did. That's what your girl said. You know, I don't have time to spend all my time talking about worries, and concerns, as real as those are, I got to start making tomorrow happen today, right? And so, and she may not have been for other people before this recent wins in Georgia, she wouldn't have been the conventional one that they would say, go do it. But I'm saying that the time is ripe for a fresh new set of leaders. And so the leaders are the people listening to this podcast right now. Like those are the people who we need To change a conversation about what our kids are learning or who gets to eat or what happens when you get COVID or how we should think about robots, if at all. Or, you know, should we call loneliness a pandemic itself and should we address loneliness like it is a pandemic and understand that that can play a role in all sorts of other things that we don't love. So mm-hmm. that's th- my thing.
3: I love that. And that, I love that. I have a couple of more questions around that. When you graduated and then um, worked in McKinsey and then eventually came out West, this idea of the only one in the room, there must have been at least for the first five years, many, many, many meetings, boardroom suggestions, you were the only black male in the room. How did you navigate through that? Um, and what are the advice for um, a young one out there, or not so young one, that's just entering, because it's not about, you know, it's really about how do I belong in this room and how do I stay in this room, but then also how do I open up more doors so next time I come back to this room, this is this room is filled with yeah. diversity, yeah. right? So what would be some advice uh, for an executive or junior executive coming out? Well, you
4: know, one of my friends, Mignon Moore, likes to say, swing the door wide open. Don't just open a crack, swing it wide open so that all sorts of good folks uh, can get a chance. Or your girl Issa Rae says, I'm rooting for everyone black, right? And so it's a, it's a whole different energy uh, that you can bring to that. But, but having said all of that, a couple of things, you're, you're right, I often was the only one, whether it was in uh, school or, or in the workplace, Um, you know, some of it was the basics uh, that you've heard from uh, your mom and dad and other people who love you, which is, you know, prepare early, prepare harder, uh, prep yourself. Um, uh, uh, Part of it was being prepared to deal with uncomfortable situations and not waiting until they happen, but actually having the foresight to think them through and talk through with people what you would do uh, if, you know, someone is looking past you or someone is just repeating your own point or someone's becoming overly heated and and disagreeing with you and so learning ways to de-escalate and move things forward or to confront but confront affirmatively and successfully which by the way doesn't always mean doing it in the room at that moment sometimes it means doing it afterwards is is more effective Um, and so all of those sorts of things i'd say a couple other things ended up helping me a little bit along the way marcus i learned early on that i had to make sure that as many people as possible saw me as a human being, not as just a cardboard cutout. And so I would talk about my parents. I would talk about what I did on the weekend. I would talk about that. I would humanize myself. I was telling a story to these folks. And one of the other things I say to a lot of folks and you have to filter and manage this, but I think one of the most important things is to create a social connection. And so I would often invite other people out I would say, you know, I wasn't trying to do something across gender that would create drama. But I mean, I would say to a group of people, because I love basketball, hey, guys, I'm going to go see a game. It might not even be a fancy game. It might be a local high school. You want to come. Now, eight times out of 10, they were going to say no, but they were going to start to think of me differently. Right. Or, hey, guys, I'm going to grab brunch, which I was going to do anyhow. Do you want to come? You want to come join me? Again, eight times out of 10, they're going to say no, but they will think about you differently.
3: No, that's a great, that's a great, and that's always been my leg up in terms of breaking barriers. Yes. I have food, so I can get anyone to the table, and then it's up to me where I go from there, right? One thing that I know you also understand and think about a lot is that, obviously, 16 and 20 taught us a lot about what is tech's role, and, you know, you can't just think about politics in terms of Republican and Democrat, you have to think about how does it live and operate in our society, right? But then you also have massive changes in tech, you know, who pushes the narrative, uh, who throws out yeah. fake news. Going forward, should there be regulations in, in the big tech companies? And what would that look like if so?
4: Yeah, uh, so uh, a big question, I think the short answer is like any technology that's become more and more prominent in our life, whether it's the phone system, Uh, A century plus ago, or whether it was TV, um, you know, uh, now almost uh, 70 years ago um, uh, um, or or automobiles. uh, Right. There has to be regulation. If it's going to become an important and an integral part of society, uh, there has to be. And so I think that we need fresh thinking around that. Um, uh, There are lots of questions and I couldn't do it all justice, but there are questions about privacy Um, uh, uh, I think there are gonna be a lot of questions around artificial intelligence and robots and ethics and kind of thinking about that and, you know, who's programming the robots and hopefully we're not programming them with the same old bad, (laughs) non-modern thinking that lots of our fellow humans have. So that'd be be not good if you start replicating that, right? Um, um, uh, How do we think about technology in ways that, that sometimes we think about it more of as a shared resource, right? You know, with with uh, TV, there became a notion that that the airwaves were public broadcasting, so you had to share some of that. And you had to make sure that you aired cartoons, for example, and 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 other sorts of things that were seen as kind of more public service oriented. So, yes, I think that there's an opportunity for a now that we are. What would you say? You'd say we're 20 years into the information and internet revolution right? Al Gore might say we're a little bit further ahead than that, but I'm going to say 20 years since the dot-com uh, uh, boom. And, um, and so that would seem like a right time to have a, not just to be reactive and not just to call Mark Zuckerberg and others up to Capitol Hill every year and a half, every time there's an outrage, but to actually take a step back. And again, if you're me and you're saying, I don't want to be reactive and just fix broken stuff. I want to create magic. And we have the opportunity Let's create America 2.0. I want to regulate in a way that's going to allow elderly people to not be lonely at 85. I want to regulate in a way that's going to allow this kid who kept getting kicked out of school over and over again, not to be kicked out. Maybe there's a different kind of school for him that technology could help create, right? I want to do it in a way that's not going to allow me to get charged $3,000 extra for every car I buy. Versus someone else, and to get underpaid ten thousand dollars, and so I'm losing every way. I'm paying more and getting paid less. Yeah. Like if technology can help that those kinds of things, then you know we can have a richer, more interesting absolutely. society. Uh, absolutely.
3: So I have to ask because this is five, mm-hmm. six years out. I have to ask the same question I asked President Biden. And we're in the basement, and Rooster. Ah, uh, Carlos, would you ever run?
4: <laughs> you say the Samuelson-Watson ticket? Yeah, be yeah. To be your vice president. Very immigrant i be your vice president. Very immigrant-friendly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, We got to change the laws. I'm willing to be your vice president. I would, I would, yeah. I would do it. Carlos, I
3: feel like. Um, Ozzy is just the beginning of your journey, and I feel also these interviews, these documentaries that you've been doing now together with um, Pulo are super interesting. Uh, One of my favorites is the one with Sophia Chang. Only in America can that story happen, right? The way, uh, you know, you can only come from Vancouver and be Korean-American and manage Wu-Tang, right? That's such an American story. So what are some of the other voices that we're going to hear from the Aussie, whether we hear them through podcasts, whether we see them in the newsletter, or whether we see them on the documentary show or on YouTube?
4: I'll give you three. Um, You should know the Lucas brothers. If you don't know them yet, two 35-year-old twins uh, out of Newark, New Jersey. Pop ended up in jail uh, they found their way through college onto law school and then made a wild U-turn and decided to get into comedy. And comedy led to drama, and they just helped write uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. So I love those brothers, and, and they're ones that you should keep your eye on. There's a wonderful comedian named Ida Rodriguez who is going to be a big star, a big, 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 big star. Love her, all kinds of a fan of hers. And uh, you guys keep your eye on her. Remember, I told you about her first. And then, you know, one of the people we're really proud of who's making some noise and people know her now, but they didn't know her back in the day when we first told people about her was Amanda Gorman, poet laureate. And I think the best is is yet to come. And some of her other Aussie Genius Award winners, uh, fellow winners, she was an Aussie Genius Award winner, but some of her other award winners like Kalina Silverman and others, I think are names that you're going to hear. And so, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited uh, about where the world uh, goes uh, from hopeful and excited both.
3: No, and I think it, it a lot has to do with you and your team and staying curious and, and, and testing out different mediums and, in media. And um, yes, there's been a long tradition at Aussie to break people, and those are just some of them. but stay tuned to check out the Hula Partnership. And also now you have a partnership with BBC as well, right?
4: BBC, yeah. I really love those guys. And my dad grew up listening to them. And so it's fun for him and fun for me that uh, that we're now rocking with them. So that's good.
3: Well, we appreciate you, Carlos. Um, and hopefully one day when all of this is over, we can actually break bread right here in Miami in Overtown. Uh, and I can't wait to show you the restaurant. I can't wait to break bread with you, brother. Keep inspiring us. Keep telling Mm -hmm. stories. Carlos Watson, on this moment, we appreciate you. Thank you
4: so much. Marcus, thank you for having me and uh, blessings to everybody who's listening.
0: All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the come up with Carlos Watson. Marcus, that was just like you said, expansive, educational. So a special thanks to Kendra Campbell Milburn, Jennifer McClellan, and Monica Holmes for helping to orchestrate, and of course, thanks to Carlos Watson for coming on the show and sharing these gems with us. Follow us on Instagram at This Moment Podcast. Our email is thismomentpodcast at Podcast Ask us questions, give us topic suggestions, give us feedback. Let us know you're listening.
1: And to our listeners, if you want to check out something, listening. and to our listeners, if you want to check out something good, go and stream Jason's new single. Oh,
0: yeah, I like the plug, man. Balls from the bear bomb. Boom. Don't call up for the consti. Quit the body, they're all the Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.